uh, she's going to take us through a bit of Acts chapter 5 today. Um, and if you don't know Sarah, she works, goes out to Kenya maybe maybe four or five times a year. And last year we sent some Christmas gifts with her to the children on the Fungano Island. And we plan to do the same thing again this year. So we got a nice partnership through Sarah with this um, church and community in Kenya. And um, if you haven't read it, Sarah's got a book she can, which you can get on Amazon. And um, if you just search Sarah Parsons Winter. And it's got some, some of her great journey of faith. And so Sarah's going to speak to us now. Morning. This feels a bit odd. It's not 100 degrees. I'm not stood in a puddle of water. The microphone is working and there's no raining pounding down on the roof. So it feels a bit strange. Let's pray. God, we want you to do what you want to do. We want you to change us. We want you to give us your prophetic words. And we release that right now in the room. That while I'm speaking, you will be speaking to individual hearts. Giving ideas and ways forward and releasing new passion in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Don't usually have one of these either, so... We're going to see how it goes. The scripture is from Acts 5, verses 12 to 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on the beds, mats, so that at least Peter's shadow may fall on them. As he passed by, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Amen. So what I thought I'd do is um, just have seven different headings and share seven different testimonies of things that I've seen. Because the thing about Acts is we're in that place. They were there. Jesus had lived, died, crucified, and risen again. And we live in that place. They were full of the Holy Spirit. We are full of the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. We speak in tongues. They saw miracles and healings and signs and wonders. And we see those things here. So we have so much in common I was sharing a story yesterday about a conversation I had with an angel. And I asked him, were you there at Pentecost? And he said, yes, I was. So, (laughs) kind of blew my mind, really. So, here we go. The first one is about healing. And I've got to tell you about Jeremiah Stick thin, old guy, lives on Fungano Island, walks with a stick 
He was the guy who donated the land that we put the school on. I can't tell you how old he is. He looks like a, a wizened old man. And conversation, my Sudanese isn't very good. So we had a service and I was sharing about some of the healings that we'd heard about and seen in the UK. And so we had healing at the end of the service. And he had a problem with his hip. Apparently it had been fractured years earlier. And he's got no access to medical. So he was walking on a stick in a lot of pain. And I felt the Lord say I should put my hand on his hip, which I did, which is unusual. I don't usually go around putting my hands on men's hips. But I wasn't alone. Mickey was there with me. And uh, so we prayed a simple prayer, God heal his hip. And I felt it clunk. You know when your car goes from first back into neutral, that kind of clunking sound? That's what happened with Jeremiah's hip. So he sat back down at the end and he had a grin on his face from one ear to the other. And he said, and so we broke into what Mickey was saying. And uh, he said that it never healed his fracture and his pain had gone. So we praise God for that one. And just to say at the end of the service, if anybody's got a healing need, I'd love to pray with you. Clicker. Next one. Salvation. I've got to tell you that in 2013, God sent me to Kenya and I didn't want to go. I really didn't want to go because Mickey decided he was going to stand as an MP and he was campaigning right out in the countryside where there's no electricity or running water or anything and that was my first experience of that and I didn't want to go I hate camping I don't like camping so sending me to a place where there's none of that stuff going on none of the luxuries or the things that I was used to But God decided to do an amazing thing, and everywhere we went, we saw things happening. So the first day, I get on the back of a bike, because we're going to meet a community up a dry riverbed, and the only way to get there is on the back of a motorbike, which is very much fun. So uh, I got chatting to the guy, and it turns out that his whole family were Christians except for him. And uh, so I said, well why haven't you become a Christian? He said, oh, I'll get around to it. And I said, well, why wait? And he said, oh, I suppose I could. So while we were traveling on the bike, we prayed the prayer of salvation and he gave his life to Jesus. Isn't that cool? God doesn't care where we are. He's, he'll do it wherever. And then I said to him, I think you can't do it on your own. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I prayed that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. In hindsight, it might have been a bit wise to wait till we'd actually stopped. But there we go. <laughs> there we were on the bike. So we stopped and I told Mickey, the guy, given his life to the Lord. And we went up and he did his MP campaigning stuff and we came back and the same guy took me back and I went is there anything else I can pray for he said yes he said my lungs got asthma so I put my hands on his back and I prayed for him to be healed we saw him a couple of weeks later and God had healed him so we give God all the glory for that ah 
But then we talk about salvation here. And if there's anybody at the end who wants to give your life to the Lord, then I'm here for you. You can come and pray. Or anybody who's finding that they're a long way away from God, want to renew that relationship, then please come have prayer. You're very welcome. So the next one. Provision. It was hard to choose a testimony about provision. Since 2008, when I gave up my job, gave away my car, I've been living by faith. So my whole life is full of stories of provision. How else am I going to whittle it down to just one? Unless you wanted a three-hour sermon, which I can do, by the way, but provision. So I wanted to tell you, I had set up four conferences in November. I can't remember the year. So I go straight from one to the next to the next. There was uh, outreach mission. There was conferences to teach pastors. Everyone was in a different place. So it was going on coaches and planes. And I had all the money for my ticket. And I had my ticket. And the night before, I had nothing else. I had no money for travel, no money for accommodation. And I was there going, God, I don't want to go. I can't go. How can you send me with nothing? And he says, all right, go. Thankfully, I had a backstop of a credit card, but I didn't really want to do that. And I don't like using it. And I think, well, God, if this is your will, you'll provide me for me. And he went, go anyway. And that takes you to a whole new level of faith. How was I going to pay back money on a credit card when I lived by faith? What was going to happen? So I went anyway. All the time, praying on the plane. God, do something while I'm in the air. Nothing happened. I went to the first one just outside Nairobi in a place called Getherai 45. And uh, I stayed there. I ended up sleeping on a bed in the pastor's living room behind a curtain for a week. And we saw God do amazing things with the pastors there. And then he moved me on to a place called Bungoma, which is a long way in a coach. And we, I had to stay in a hotel But revival broke out there and we saw over 300 people saved. God's amazing. It was so worth it. But as my credit card was racking up and I was going, God, I can't keep doing this. I felt like I was on the edge, beyond the edge. And there is a scripture that says, and sometimes God will take you, get you to give beyond what you can afford. (laughs) I was living in that place. And the next one. Uh, another pastor's conference. God did amazing things. And then we, the final one was in Mombasa. Mombasa is very hot. You get off the plane, it's like walking into a tumble dryer. But over 300 people were saved at that conference. And uh, we just praise God for it. But before I flew to Mombasa, I said to God, I can't go. I haven't got any money. And he went, keep going. Every time it was keep going, keep walking, keep moving forward. Don't stop. 
And I said, you need to give me something to hold on to. He said, I will clear everything by Christmas. When I came back, I had £3,000 on the card. And Christmas Eve, God cleared the lot. So if you have a financial need and you want some prayer, I'm here for you. I will agree with you wholeheartedly. Miracles. While we were campaigning, we were going to all different places around the area, seeing people doing things. There were people who were saved and healed conversions. And... uh But one of the things that they still remember when I go back, they come up to me and go, you're the woman. And I'm like, yeah. So we hired a motorboat and we went to three different fishing villages on the same island. And we would pray with them and then Mickey would speak and then we would leave. And then we'd go to the next one and the next one. But it's what happened the day after. It was what they call the dry season, when it's very hot and the fish go down very deep in the lake. And there's not much about, and food is scarce. Well, we got he got one phone call, then another, then a third, saying that they'd had the biggest catch that they'd ever seen after we had been there. God had done a miracle. And uh, I'm so... Part of me wishes I'd been in the boat and seen it for myself. But being on the lake when it's cold and there's lots of mosquitoes at night doesn't really appeal. But <laughs> but I believe them and we praise God for it, that the miracle of his provision. So if you need a miracle, I'm happy to pray with you. Deliverance. The first time I went to Kenya, I met, I went with, uh, to stay with Mickey and his family. I met him on Facebook and God told me to go. So I went, didn't know anybody. So I went to stay in his house and they were having an anniversary service for their church. So they had one tent to have your eye, free eye tests, one for solicitors. And the third tent was a prayer tent. And I got put in the prayer tent with Mickey and I know that he was checking me out and seeing what I was really like because the guy had never met me either. So anyway, God doesn't always make life easy. So uh, the first guy that turned up said, oh, by the way, um, I try and sleep and this demon comes and tries to strangle me. (laughs) I'm like, oh, the first one is deliverance. Oh, And there's this conversation with me going on in my head going, you could have made it be easier for me. Why did you have to start with the deliverance? So I told the guy he needed to be saved. Otherwise, the demon would just come back. So we pray for him. He got released. He got set free, gave his life to Jesus. And the next day he came back and gave testimony that he hadn't... um, had any more problems with the demons God had completely released him and set him free so we praise God for that one God is good only two more to go
protection. Sometimes my plans change. I plan to go somewhere for a set amount of time and I feel like God is taking me there. I had organized a trip to Kenya. I was going to go for a month. And just before I went, God shut it down and said, you can only go for two weeks. And I didn't understand why. Luckily, most of the time I'm living by faith, so the money doesn't necessarily come into the day before, so I can't make many plans. <laughs> so there I am, saying, wondering why. Well, I was staying in Nairobi. It was 2013. And some of you remember, may remember the problems at the Westgate shopping mall, where over 77 people died. God pulled me out two days before. He had me home and safe, out of the country, no problems at all. So he is able to keep us safe wherever he's sending you, whatever he's calling you to do. He can look after you. It's no problem for him. Last one. Four and a half years ago, I was attending another church in the city. And they were having a women's conference. And I said to them, to God, I said, do you want me to go to the women's conference? And he said, no, you'll be somewhere else. So I woke up in the morning of the Sunday of the women's conference And I had nowhere to go. And he said, go to Hope. So I got on the bus and I came to Hope. And it was in July. And I got here and the doors were shut and there was nobody here. You'd all gone off to a baptismal service at Silas's house. I was sat outside here thinking there's nobody here. And that's when you turn around and go, God, I've got it wrong. Sometimes we think we've heard from God and we think we've got it wrong. But I I would suggest that we go back and say, actually, what is really happening here? God, what do you want me to do? Wait. So I sat down and I waited. Two minutes later, I asked again, what shall I do? Not very patient. <laughs> Two minutes was all I gave him. God, what shall I do now? Wait. So I'm there like a meerkat looking round, who's God sending, who's coming, what am I waiting for? After five minutes, luckily it was sunny, after five minutes he went, get up and start walking. And I went, okay, which way? Into town. So I'm going into town. I'm thinking, ooh, an adventure. This is fun. So I get to the bus stop. He goes, wait there, get on the next bus. Starting to feel like 007. There I am, getting on the bus. I get on the bus and I'm sat there, alert, on full mode, you know. What's going on? There's a woman dressed in pink by the door. Zone in on her. Follow her, he says. Follow her. So I do. She gets off at the hippodrome. I'm right behind her. In fact, I'm walking so close, I nearly clip her heels. I need to back off. Stealth mode. So I follow her across, and she goes across the centre and stops at another bus stop. I thought, oh, bother. What am I going to do now? So I speak to her. I go up. I said, can I 
ask you a funny question. She looks at me. She said, yes, of course you can ask what you like. I said, are you going to church? She said, yes, do you want to come? She made that easy. I said, yes, please. So we get on the bus. And I don't know where we're going. I don't even know what number bus it is. I'm just following this woman. Anyway, she's going to a church outside of town called the Church with No Name. don't know if you've ever heard of it. She starts... <laughs> I didn't realize that was so funny. Anyway. <laughs> so she starts telling me that every woman that goes to their church, God has been talking to them in their prayer time to cover their hair. And I'm like, Oh dear, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to cover my hair. So there we go. God, the Holy Spirit had sent her back into her house that morning. She'd left and he sent her back to get a spare scarf. Talk about planning. So when I get there, she gives me the scarf to go into the toilet and put on. I could have been there a long time. It was tricky. So (laughs) I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. Why am I here? Why have I got to cover my hair? What's going on? And he turns around and he said, this is going to be receiving church for Muslim women. And they're going to feel more comfortable if they cover their hair. So I'm sending you here to bring a word for the church. So I go in and I sit through the service and there's no opportunity for me to speak. So the woman I'm with goes up to the pastor at the end and tells him. And he drags everybody back from the car park. And I stand and share what has happened to me that day. And um, they confirm it. And they said somebody else had the same thing a couple of years ago. They had a dream that this would be a receiving church for Muslim women. So they would feel comfortable and at home. So God speaks. If we're prepared to step out, God will speak to you and he will send you on the most incredible adventures. You can do the most amazing things. I'm saying these things not to big me up, but to big him up and to show you that we live in the book of Acts. We're doing this stuff. You're incredible. I know a lot of you are here are parents. And I just wanted to point out that God didn't start sending me out until my son was 18. He waited till he was grown. Because for a lot of you who are parents, you're in the biggest adventure sharing your faith and your life with your children. So don't feel bad if you're thinking, oh, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. You are doing it. You're passing on your faith to the next generation. And you're amazing. So let's finish. God, we thank you that you speak. We thank you that you heal. We thank you that you lead us. That we can see salvations. That you provide for us. That you protect us. You're amazing, God. And we just give you all the glory. Thank you. Amen.